Welcome to System and Soul, the podcast focused on the human energy that runs your business. I'm Chris White, along with my co-host, Benj Miller. All right, you guys ready? Here we go. Jake, drop that beat. Three, two, one. Friends, welcome back to System and Soul. I've been looking forward to this conversation for a little while. Ever since I met Chris uh, at a coffee shop in Nashville, we met up. We had a, a really cool conversation and stayed connected since. And he wrote a book that I think we can all relate to called Overcoming the Imposter. And so, Chris, I am so honored to have you here hang out. Chris Kelso uh, has had multiple entrepreneurial successes and now he is an executive coach and uh travels the world as a keynote speaker so super cool to have you here chris what's going on thank you benj i am so glad to be here man and i have also been looking forward to this conversation ever since you and i first talked um just enjoyed spending time with you and love it every time our paths cross yeah, it felt like old friends. So here we are again. We just get to hang out and let other people listen in. That's uh, right. So as you know, I, I teed you up. We always start with what is one thing that is ungoogleable about Chris? Okay. I don't think this is on Google because it predates most of the internet. Uh, but in the early 90s, before I moved to Nashville, uh, in fact, while I was still in high school, uh, I was a DJ on a Christian radio station that covered all of Central Florida back in the uh, early 90s, uh, WCIE out of Lakeland. All right. What was your like, what was your name? like? Well, you- the interesting thing, I was just Chris Kelso. People said, that's a great radio name. You just, okay. you just go with it. And so I didn't, I didn't have a special name. And some people thought that I, that it, you know, that that was a radio name or something, but that's just, it just happens to be my name. The, nice. One of the most interesting things that happened to me though, Benj, was uh, I was at a mall once and um, I didn't, you know, being in radio, you don't get recognized by your face sure, most of right. the time, unless you're you know, really super famous. But I was at a mall and I was buying something. I was checking out at a store and I spoke to the cashier and all of a sudden she, her eyes popped open and she went, are you Chris Kelso? She recognized my voice. That's and amazing. she was like, you're Chris Kelso. And I was like, uh, I was totally thrown off because I did not expect that. That kind of thing just didn't happen. So uh, it was kind of funny that, you know, I wasn't recognizable by face, but I was by voice for some people. That's really cool. I, she must have had like an impeccable ear or something too. To, I to guess. Yeah. Or she was just really faithful listener because it, it it obviously struck a chord uh, when when she heard my voice. <laughs> That's super cool. All right. So obviously you have, tell tell us, give us a little background on why you wrote this book. Um, And then, and then I'll let you take over whatever's on your mind today. Well, as you mentioned, Benj, I've been an entrepreneur a couple of times. I mean, I've been an entrepreneur most of my career, but I founded uh, two different companies. And for um, a lot of that time running two businesses, I struggled with the feeling that I wasn't qualified to be doing what I was doing or that, you know, that I was worried about people figuring out that I really didn't have it all together and, and I didn't have all the answers. And, um, I didn't know it then, but have since learned about this thing called imposter syndrome, which a lot of people experience. 
And it turns out it tends to be more prevalent among high achievers. Um, so it's something that entrepreneurial, innovative, creative, ambitious types uh, run into a lot, but um, but it wasn't talked about that much, at least not when I was running my companies. And so first of all, just learning about it was a huge relief, just realizing that, oh, this is a thing that lots of other people experience it. I'm not the only one. Um, it really helped me. But then when I started to talk about it with other people, with other entrepreneurs, with my clients, and even speaking, um, sort of incorporating it in some of the speaking events I was doing, the response that I would get from people really just let me know that I had struck a nerve. Uh, there's one one in particular, the first time I ever spoke about imposter syndrome, like that was the topic. And I think I gave a 15-minute talk at a leadership summit and this guy came up to me, a guy I had known for years and who I knew was a successful business owner. He walked up to me and said, you changed my life today. The mm. whole reason I was here was I needed to hear that. That was, I felt like you were just talking to me in the back of the room. Thank you so much. And I, I just knew that I had struck a nerve and that this was something that uh, impacted a lot of people, but wasn't understood well enough. And so I needed to to write something about it. And in fact, I, I'm a guy, Benj, who, who likes to read and recommend a lot of books. I'm always yeah. with my clients. Oh, you, you need some finance help. Here's a good small business finance book. Or you, you, you're trying to figure out marketing strategy. Here's a great marketing book. And I, I hunted for a book on imposter syndrome that was written to and for and about entrepreneurs in particular and I just couldn't find one. And so yeah. it really became a compulsion that I felt like this book needs to exist and it doesn't. So I guess I have to write it. Yep. I know that, that feeling, that burden, that, that call. So, um, all right. So the top three things that are on your mind, I promised I'd let you take over, but I have one burning question. So I'm going to ask it first. Yeah. Um, this, this is, so, you know, the expression fake it till you make it right. Yes. My question is, is that good advice? Cause I've been given that advice. I've given that advice for a long, yeah. long time. And I heard somebody the other day somewhere on LinkedIn universe or somewhere say how bad that advice is because yeah. we teach ourselves that we are faking it. And when we do arrive, we end up with imposter syndrome. Are those connected we end to up you? Do you? Feeling like a fraud. Yeah. I, so there's a lot of people feel differently about that phrase and whether it's good or bad. Personally, I do not like the the phrase fake it till you make it because I think there is sort of an inherent uh, deception there that is unhealthy. That if you're, if you are faking it, if you're pretending to be something you're truly not um, in hopes of getting there, then that can get you into trouble. Yeah. Um, but what I talk about, uh, more in the, in my book is this idea of humble confidence where you don't have to believe that you have all the answers, but you can have the confidence that you have the capability to go figure out the answers and really that getting comfortable with the idea that I don't have to be the expert to have enough credibility to start to do something and to explore and experiment and learn my way into success, um, that that approach of, hey, this is new for me and I'm willing to admit that, mm -hmm. but I'm also very confident that I'm going to figure this out and that I can be successful. And that's, yeah. a, that's a mindset shift that 
that I think you have to adopt to in order to try new things without getting yourself into trouble by faking it. I like that. One of the ways that in my mind, I liked that phrase. So I'm going to have to find a new phrase, but it was Mm. less about what you're talking about and more about like how Dr. Benjamin Hardy says, like if if you want to start to become this future version of yourself that you're idealizing is a better version of yourself, just make the decisions that they would make. Like you can choose to do that today. What decisions would that person make that, that I think about that all the time. And in my mind, I've gone, well, that's faking it till I make it, but it's not faking it. It's, it's doing it, do it till you make it. It is doing it. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I think it is practice until you make it. uh, A a guy that I know uh, named Jeff Goins, who's been a very successful writer. uh, He wrote a book. One of his first books is called you are a writer. And it stemmed from this conversation he had with a friend where, um, you know, his friend said, Hey, Jeff, I, I think you, you know, he was asking him what he wanted to be or what he wanted to do. And he was him and Hall. And he said, well, I think you would like to be a writer. And Jeff was kind of like, yeah, you know, maybe one day. And his friend said, Jeff, you are a writer. You just need to write. Mm. Like you are the moment you start writing, you're a writer, just do yes. it. Right. Yeah. And yeah. I'm I'm now on faculty with an ICF uh, International Coaching Federation uh, approved and accredited uh, coaching school, and I teach coaching, uh, leadership coaching, and um, one of the things I love about our approach to teaching is that we say that that you don't really learn it. You're you're not ever going to learn this from a book and a class and a teacher and from examples. You learn it by doing it. Yeah. So we have a lot of practicum and. Uh, our founder of the school is is often quoted as saying, the real learning of anything starts when you begin doing it. And so that is my, that's my alternative. And, and I hear you saying the same thing of the alternative to fake it till you make it is decide to be it and then start practicing it. Yeah. And you yeah. may not, you may, may not be the expert. You may not be the guru. You may not be at the pinnacle of your skill level yet but you are the thing you want to be as soon as you start doing the work and you're on a path toward expertise. You may not be that expert yet, but you're on your way there and you just have to get on the path and start moving. That's so good. I feel like we could end the podcast here and somebody could go change their life right now. Like that's that's it. That's all they need to hear. Bye. Go do the work. If that's you, if that's you turn, turn it, it off and go, go do yep. the thing you've been avoiding doing because you, yep. you just need to get doing it. There's nothing else for you here. Um, <laughs> all right. So what's on your mind, Chris? What are we talking about today? Man, what's on my mind? Um, there's been a lot. Um, this has been a, a, a fantastic year. Um, a lot of things going on. But I think the thing that I'm thinking about right now, and and I know we could have an interesting conversation about this, is the idea of building community. Um, and this is something I touch on in my book. Um, and I'm not saying this just to try to promote some aspect of my book. It's really, um, I talk about in my book, the importance of being a part of a healthy community. And what I'm working on personally right now is how do I build a community? Like Mm -hmm. I've been a part of lots of other communities that are, that are great and healthy and helpful. And I want to start to be able to create that for people who don't have it. Rather than having to, similar to the way I wrote a book because it felt like I couldn't, didn't yeah. have one to refer. There are some yeah. people for whom the right community doesn't exist and I want to create that. And so I'm, 
I'm in the sort of ideation phase and beginning to talk to people and work with people on how do you really build and foster a healthy community? So as you're processing this, do you have a working definition of what healthy looks like? Mm, Yes, I do. I have a, I have a pretty clear picture of what I think constitutes a healthy community. And it starts number one with vulnerability. Um, I, I think that if a community does not have vulnerability, um, then it's going to actually work against you rather than for you. And let me explain what I mean by that, because this does tie into the book about overcoming the imposter. Uh, one of the things that I learned and realized is that when you go into a community like an entrepreneurship group or uh, a mastermind organization or even just some kind of networking group, you know, in a trade group, whatever it is. If you're in a, in a group of people where everybody's got their game face on, everybody is showing the very best version of themselves, everybody's in sales mode and they're all kind of yeah. pitching one another on, yeah, everything's great. It's awesome. I'm doing amazing. You're going to feel very alone there because you know that everything's not amazing in your world, that, that you don't have it all together. And so you feel both obligated to fake it till you make it. And also yeah. you feel a little bit intimidated by the fact that you might think you're the only one there faking it. Yeah. And everybody else really does seem to have it all together. And so I, I have really learned that community without that vulnerability, community can work against you and can feed your imposter syndrome. It can feed that inner critic that's telling you, see all these people, they, they've got it all together and they know what they're doing and you don't. You're, you're yeah. just scrambling to try to figure it out. But on the flip side, a community that has, where, where vulnerability is not only allowed, but it's embraced and encouraged and celebrated, um, that's a place where it will actually kill your imposter syndrome. Because mm-hmm. when you voice a fear or a worry, other people can jump in and say, yeah, you know, I've struggled with that too. Or, well, that's not my insecurity, but here's mine. And maybe if I help you with yours, you can help me with mine and we can be in this together. And yes, I've battled that at the same time. And um, and and you start to realize that the fears and insecurities you have are often very common and things that lots yeah. of other people have faced and beaten before you and 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 that lots of people are facing alongside you today. So that's I think the number one uh, criteria for me for a healthy community is that there's a culture of honesty and vulnerability that allows people to just take the take the armor off, as Brene Brown would say, take right. the masks off and just be real. Hey, leader, did you know there's 261 business days in a year? And statistically, most business leaders are balancing about that many opportunities, issues, problems, bouncing around in their head at one time. So we created the261.com. Go there, put your email in, and we're going to organize all those things and send you one daily email that's about this long. It's going to take you about five seconds to read, but it's going to remind you of that thing that you need to remember, that thing you need to do or schedule as a leader to be who you want to be. Go check it out, sign up, follow along, see you there. Yeah, the, um, two things come to mind. One is just how well you demonstrate this. Like, I mean, just we got on here, we haven't talked mm. in weeks or a month or whatever, and immediately I start blabbing my insecurities to you of like all my problems of what I'm trying to figure out yes. today and the rest of my day. You, but you, that that comes. That's a, a credit to you and your spirit and the way that you illustrate mm. uh, demonstrate what you're 
just talking about. And then I was just remember remembering, uh, as you said that there's a, there's a, uh, phrase of, that's often used about strong communities about the, uh, sharing and, um, there's a phrase I'm missing it, but the, the sharing and receiving of, of needs, you know, and within community. And I think my yeah. mind typically goes to like this socialist, like, well, my kid needs shoes. So you need to buy the shoes. But, um, hmm. what I hear you saying is that that is critical and it has way more to do about what's going on inside of ourselves. Those, those yeah. needs, ex- exposing yeah. those needs more than physical needs. Well, I think those external needs can be almost a byproduct. If you can get healthy around, I'm willing to share the emotional side, the 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 fear side, the internal struggles that I'm having. Then when I need a, you know, help with a referral for someone who can help me with this or that or or, you know, I need you to jump on a call and help me work through some sort of technical problem and you're willing to do I think we're a lot more willing and, and able to meet those external needs when we can get honest about the, the more internal and, uh, you know, deeper felt needs that we, that we wrestle with. Yeah. It, um, it's honoring to let people like, I feel honored when I get the opportunity to support somebody in their vulnerability. Right. So we forget that we think we're being a burden and that's probably just to your point. I think, you know, those Mm. people that we've, that we've, been honored to be able to help in this emotional context to jump in on a physical, it's almost like a no brainer, like you're saying, but it's because we have this now, like we're invested almost. Yes. When you, when you've built real relationship and you sort of have a shared humanity, if you will, um, the external needs are easy to, to, to jump in and help with because it doesn't feel transactional. It feels relational. Yeah. Right. And when you're in relationship with someone, you're not worried about, so much, am I getting more out of this than you are, or are we even or whatever, you know, that's, that's the transactional side. That's, that's when you're keeping count and you're, you're looking at the dollars or the time spent or whatever. But if you're in a true relationship with someone um, where you care about one another, and it doesn't have to be romantic or sappy or, or right, even right. a family relationship, but just even in a business relationship, if you genuinely care about each other as humans, then the transactional stuff is a lot easier to just deal with and and not worry about so much. Yeah, that's perfect. Love it. Healthy community, number one. What's number two? Hmm. Number two is, uh, I think this, this tension that I struggle with all the time of, um, I don't like being salesy. I don't like um, feeling, well, first of all, I don't like feeling like I'm being sold to. Mm-hmm. I, I hate it when I feel like I'm in a funnel, you know how it is when you get the, oh, yeah. you get the, you're getting the email drips and you know that if I buy that thing, there's just going to be an upsell offer on the back end of it. And, and, um, you know, and you're, you feel like you're being worked over and you're getting the, uh, you know, the, the Vaynerchuk jab, 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 right hook. You're like, okay, yeah. I know the sell is coming cause they're saying lots of nice things and they're offering things to me. And I, I just hate feeling like I'm a number in a giant machine for somebody Um, And it's very impersonal. And yet, to some degree, that's how business is done these days. And so, you know, when when I was mostly doing consulting, and especially lately as I've been doing like executive coaching and leadership development stuff, a lot of that is sold very relationally. Yes. But then two years ago, I wrote and published a book 
and I can't sell books one at a time in relationship over a cup of coffee. Like that, the economics of that just don't really work out. Right. (laughs) And I'm working on this online course. Uh, and, and as I think about community and stuff, I want to be able to reach lots and lots of people. Um, but I can't make all of that happen just purely organically and relationally. So there has to be some structure to it. And so I'm where I have in the past really resisted the sort of funnels, style marketing programs and things like that, I'm now starting to look at, um, you know, some of those options. How do I build systems of engagement for people who, for whom I have something to offer, who I can help and still retain my integrity and that sense of, you know, humanity that we just talked Mm -hmm. about and not turn it into a series of transactions. I don't want to blanket 10,000 people and hope to get 10% of them to pay me thousands of dollars, you know, and just make it a numbers game. Right. But I do want to have a lot of reach and I do want to have an impact uh, with my content and the things that I've learned. And so I guess all that to say, Benj, is you asked what's on my mind. I've been wrestling with that uh, tension between the, the process and the mechanisms of reaching people in a mass market without sort of selling my soul to the economic engine of looking at people as a number and trying to right. get as many of them as possible. Right. This is, I can relate to absolutely everything you just said. Um, I all sale sales was like a dirty word for me in like yeah. 10, 15 yeah. years of, of my entrepreneurial career until somebody said to me, Benj, do you like serving your clients? I'm like, heck yeah. Are you good at it? Yeah. Do you bring them value? Yeah. So sales is winning the opportunity to serve them. And I'm like, yes. oh, well I can do that. Right. And that changed right. my mindset. But in the right. last year and a half of building system and soul, you know, we've, we've wrestled in the same tension and probably still are to some degree that you're talking about right now. And there were a couple times that we did, we went a little too far down that road. And we mm. all ended up kind of looking at each other going, this doesn't feel right. And, and yeah. I don't know if I would have, I think we knew it before we did it, but you know, it was good advice, air quotes, right? So right. We, we kept right. going down that path, but we realized pretty quick, like this isn't us. And so I, so I don't I'm think curious, the tools you... and technology are bad. It's, it's the way that you approach, it's all about what's in it, Right. Yeah, so I'd love to hear how did you know when you had when you felt like you were going too far and then how did you dial that back and get to a comfortable spot? Um I I think the biggest red flag for us when was when it felt a little bit like a bait and switch. Like we mm. weren't we weren't being 100% honest with our uh with our intent. Right. And, and so, um, we wanted to be, but it wasn't, it just wasn't. And so we didn't, you know, it's just that, that underlying, like it was just something's off. Right. Cause our our intent was off. We were saying one thing, but really we wanted to convert you down a funnel. Right. Like we wanted, right. And, um, that just was so literally we used the word icky multiple times. It just felt like there was something icky and then we figured out what it was and we figured out a new way to do it. Mm. So that, that was for us, but I I totally know what you you mean. And it is hard because 
you can't not compete in a world where people are getting 50,000 unique messages a day, but you also don't want to add to the noise. Yes. And you do believe you have something valuable to offer them. And, and here's the, here's the thing that I've recognized even about myself is, you know, what the way I want it to work is that I will, you know, send my email newsletter a message one time about something I have available. And if they're interested, they'll, they'll respond. And if they're not, they won't. Yes. And yet I have been that guy who on the seventh email from someone went, you know, I probably should do that. Right. And then I yeah. bought into some, you know, I, I made a purchase yes. or signed up for something or, you know, because I was distracted or I just neglected or I kept saying, yeah, yeah, I'll get to that. And it took a few reminders and I have to, I have to remind myself that even I need reminders and need follow-up in order to make a good decision sometimes and not yeah. feel guilty about telling people three, four, five times that I have an opportunity for you that I think could be really helpful for you if you want it. Yeah. Yeah. I, um, I like when the personalization of this whole conversation is interesting too. And it depends on what you're selling. If you need to sell two units or 10 units is different than 10,000 units. But, um, if somebody's reaching out and it's like they did the 30 second skim of the website to, to give you the one compliment to know that it was personalized, that's right. worse than it being generic to me. Oh um, yes. If it's yes. truly personalized, it, like I'll, I'll give them a slow clap. But if it's, yeah. if it's that like fake, that, that is, um, that's the highest cringe value to me right now. It is. I, so, so my, the name of my company is the Kelso group. And I don't use that really anywhere. It's the name of my LLC. It's on my LinkedIn because I've had it for years and years, but it's, you know, like that's not my brand, but I will get messages uh, from people usually through like LinkedIn that will say, Hey, I see the work you're doing at the Kelso group. And it just looks like you guys are crushing it. And (laughs) I love what you guys are doing over there. And, and, and it's so obviously just an attempt to, you know, get a foot in the door and start a conversation and, and usually I just ignore those when they're obvious, but I, I'm so tempted to say, what specifically about the work that we're doing are you impressed by? You know, like to ask, yeah. to probe for a question. But, but of course, then I know I'd just be starting with starting a conversation with someone who just wants to sell me something. So I, yeah, I that you didn't want to be in the conversation. Yeah. Um, or yes. what happens is you send that reply. And the next day you get the next email in their sequence that has nothing to do with what that you has said. nothing to do with the reply. Yeah. Or it totally ignores the response that I sent. Yes. Well, here's, here's the thing, you know, like as you navigate this tension, you know, um, and because I know you like as you're out speaking, there has to be some way that you, that they have the ability the next time you have something to offer them. Right. Because you've already, you've already given them something, that guy that came up to you and said, you know, this is why I'm at this conference. I need to hear this thing. And you're going to have more of those. You're, you know, Chris isn't a one hit wonder. So he's going to need to hear the next thing. So how do you honor him by giving him the availability to see the next thing and maybe remind him a couple times? Yeah. Without turning into the cringe factor. Yeah. Yeah. And that is, that is the challenge. And I, I, I think I'm getting there, but it's a, it's an ongoing tension. And I, I like, I like that, you know, sort of the way you described it as nebulous as it was that you felt icky about 
you know, where you had gotten to. And I think the real challenge is just to make sure that you always maintain that icky sensor that you don't ever like wear that down to the point that you don't feel icky anymore. That the, or delegate it to somebody who doesn't have it. Yeah. Well, that's, that's a really good point too, is, is the temptation for somebody like me is to hand off all my marketing to someone who's really good at marketing. Right. Um, so that I don't have to do it. Uh, but, uh, if they don't have the same sort of standards of humanity and, and, and the personalness of it that I do, that, that part could be lost and it could get icky without me even realizing it. So for sure. What's the third thing on your mind today? You know, one of the big um, ahas that I had when I wrote this book um, is I did a, a you know a lot of reflection back on my career. So I was trying to figure out when was I experiencing imposter syndrome and what was happening and what are the lessons that I've learned and and I started to notice this pattern that the times in my life the times in my career, especially when I felt the most insecure, the most in over my head, when I was experiencing that feeling of imposter syndrome, the strongest, those were the most pivotal moments of my career. That was usually when something amazing was happening, right? Because I was stretching myself. Mm -hmm. I was outside my comfort zone. I was surrounded by people who intimidated me, but maybe from whom I had a lot to learn or you know, could, could benefit from being in their company. And, and so I realized that I had moments, um, where I could either sort of draw back in fear or I could push through the insecurity and accomplish something. Yeah. And so the result of that awareness, I mean, this is whether I ever published the book or not, this was the huge takeaway for me for the, from the process of writing the book and, and sort of studying this topic was that when I feel in over my head, when I feel that imposter syndrome feeling, that inner critic, that's a sign that I'm on the verge of something great. And I need to see that as a positive sign, not a negative one. Yeah. And so now I'm looking for, I'm, I'm using that as a guidepost if I'm not feeling insecure, then I'm probably not taking enough risk. Mm-hmm. If I'm not, if you know, if I'm really comfortable and everything that I'm doing in my career, I feel like I've got it on lock and it's all going great. Then am I really pushing myself and how long before I start to slide backwards instead of moving forwards? But on the other hand, if there's some area where I'm out of my element, I'm insecure, I'm feeling like I'm, I'm, I'm exposed a little bit and I'm at risk that is a good sign and i need to lean into that so now when i when i get that feeling i look around and i say what's what's my learning opportunity what am i doing who who am i with and and how can they potentially benefit me or i can benefit them how can we grow these relationships rather than withdraw from them and so i see it as a positive sign and i'm a lot not a lot more aware to watch for that and actually anticipate it and even get a little bit excited about it yeah now. Yeah. when that happens. Yeah. I can relate to that. I, I even had, I'll draw this back to your vulnerability conversation was, uh, last Friday I did a webinar and I did part of a webinar and it was, I was presenting, first of all, pretty big crowd more than I'm used to. Second of all, I was 
getting way more vulnerable. I can teach on, you know, here's the principles mm-hmm. and the mental models and whatever, no problem. But I was getting, you know, this was my story and there was some vulnerability to it. And there were a couple yeah. principles in there that um, are really hard for me to articulate. And so afterwards mm-hmm. I was like, I was asking my friend, I was like, did, did that even make sense? You know, cause you never know how it goes on the other side of you for something like that. You know, you walk in your wife was like, how is it? And I'm like, I don't know, no idea. But I'm, yeah. I, so I'm asking my friend who was there and I'm like, did, did any of that make sense? How could I have explained that better? And he paused for a long time and he said, you know, I've found that anytime we're wading into vulnerability, we're at the edge of our own understanding. And so it's just mm. messy. And so like if, wow. if I had been able to package that well in that moment, it probably would have only been because I was on the other side of it. Therefore it was, yeah. it was knowledge and wisdom, but not the experiencing the messiness, the vulnerability, the growth of it in that moment. I just thought that was such yeah. a, a great picture. Uh, because we yeah. want everything to be so well packaged, including ourselves going back to, you know, us in the meeting with all the other entrepreneurs, like we yeah. package ourselves. Yeah. Um, but there's so much, if we're pushing ourselves, if we're outside our comfort zone, like you're saying, then we're mm-hmm. experiencing the messiness of we're up against something. We're coming up against something we don't fully understand. We're starting to get it, starting to process it, starting to figure it out. But I don't even fully yeah. understand all this myself. That's really interesting. I love the way you put that. And it reminds me of um, something I heard Brene Brown talk about. Of course, she talks a lot about uh, vulnerability. And she was addressing a question of, you know, is it possible to be too vulnerable? and mm. Or when is it inappropriate sure. to be sure. vulnerable? And her answer basically was, if, if, you're, if you're getting vulnerable about something where that if the purpose of the vulnerability is really that it's cathartic for you and it's not yes. beneficial to anyone else around you, then that's a selfish vulnerability and it's probably inappropriate. Yes. And, and the, but if it, if it's valuable to the other people, then, then go there, then do it for them. Right. And what I hear you saying, what the way I'm connecting the dots here is, if whatever you're being vulnerable about is so fresh and so um, near that you can't even articulate it, that you can't you can't go there, then it's not going to be beneficial to anyone. Yeah. But if it, if you're so far from it that it's really not that vulnerable anymore, like it's mm-hmm. just an old story that you tell that's just funny, yeah. then it may not be all that helpful either. It might be helpful, but it's. It's just like, that's really easy and safe. And so what you're describing is kind of in the middle. It's yeah. that time period or that space where you can be articulate enough because you're just really starting to draw the lessons out of your situation or your struggle. And you can share that and help other people with it, even though you yeah. haven't fully baked it all. You haven't right. figured it all out enough to make it this very finely tuned presentation. Yeah. Um, but that's sort of the sweet spot, right? Is it when is. you really are just being genuine in the moment. And this is what I'm learning right now. Those are some of the best lessons is when someone says, this is what I'm learning right now. It's not, this is what I need to learn. 
This is what I don't know. This is what I don't right. understand. That's not helpful. But neither is it, ah, oh, this is something I conquered years ago. And let me just tell you, and it's a piece of cake. And that's often not that helpful. That's either, what that makes this spot of, this is where I'm at. Yeah. That's what makes this podcast so fun to me. It's like, what's on your mind? What are you thinking about? What are you processing? What are you, what are you trying to figure right out now? You know, if it was like, hey, Chris, what are you an expert at? You know, boring. I'll go watch your TED talk. Like, like, right. you know, like we can get yes. that. But yes, I've got a fun, I've got a fun little clever saying my coach taught me for exactly what you were saying. Uh, is it anxiety relieving or goal achieving? Anxiety Ooh. relieving or goal yes. achieving? I love that. The other thing that you made me think about is uh, we've learned to have an expression in our household. We have four young children uh, where they're, they're up against, you know, I'm, we just say I'm feeling some sort of way. Like, I don't know how hmm. I'm feeling yet. I haven't even gotten to what I'm experiencing or what I'm uh -huh. feeling, but in this moment, I'm feeling some sort of way. And that's kind of just like a moment of like, okay, let's pause and let's explore and get into mm. the depths of that. So, hey, Chris, we're I out like of time, it. man. This was so much fun. We might have to do a round two. Maybe we'll do a, a live yes. meetup some point. That'd be super fun. Uh, but thank you so much. Tell everybody where to go get the book or hire you to come speak for them. Yeah, I'm easy to find online if you remember that my name starts with a K. K-R-I-S, yes. Kelso, K-E-L-S-O. I'm at chriskelso.com. I'm Chris Kelso on Twitter, on LinkedIn. Uh, I'm the Chris Kelso on Facebook or Instagram, and you can find the book specifically at overcomingtheimposter.com. Um, but it's also available anywhere books are sold: Amazon, Barnes and Noble. Uh, your local bookstores can order it if they don't have it in stock. It's uh, it's pretty widely available, and the audiobook just came out in mid October as well. So there's an audiobook version read by yours truly, the Let's author. And that was a lot of fun. Yes, to be recognized by cashiers everywhere. That's right. So someone can hear my <laughs> voice and say, ooh, you're, you're I Chris. didn't even think about the fact that that might happen again. Here we go. <laughs> <laughs> Good to be with you. Thank you. Uh, Benj, this has been so much fun. Thanks for having me, man. Yep. Yeah.